0: hello everybody welcome to the upside swings draft podcast the podcast the highest ceiling and officially your nba draft podcast for the rise podcast network Uh, we are here with rise to bring you everything and anything nba draft related hope you enjoy Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks. Story as always by the great Stone Hansen, And another in our kind of series of, of preseason guests to come talk uh, before draft season really gets going. That's Dakota Schmidt. He uh, is a ridiculous upside. Um, one of the smarter basketball minds out there and uh, someone who I've, I've wanted to get on the pod for a while. We were... Kind of a little late last year to get really in on the G League game, and I'm really excited to uh, to preview some G League stuff. So, Dakota, my friend, how are you doing?
1: Smarter basketball minds out there! Wow, I am, I am. I mean, maybe among the people that are still up to talk about basketball public, publicly, because a lot of them have been uh, picked up by uh, Sports Info Solutions. But um, I'm absolutely honored uh, that he said that. I'm absolutely honored to be here uh, tonight on your uh, podcast.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I-, I would have said that even before the SIS purging of, of <laughs> basketball Twitter. That was that was wild to watch this summer, where it's just like all these guys who I read all their stuff gone, gone, gone. Uh, that was uh, that was something different. But uh, Dakota is the foremost g-league expert as far as i'm concerned um he has written a, a ton of great stuff for ridiculous upside the sb nation uh g-league coverage affiliate and um it's all great and of course you know i love to talk about the g-league night and we all know my greatest love is to talk about kind of fringe nba dudes who will probably never really make it so there's no better way to talk about that than g-league But before we dive fully into it stone my friend how are you doing
2: Doing great. I'm excited to talk G League. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, so I guess we might as well just get into it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have a, a very hyper dog in a, in a home alone, so we will see how this goes. There might be a few uh, barking interruptions, but we will try and um, try and keep it uh, straight. Uh, let's start just quickly with, with the G League Ignite. Um, obviously, Last year, I I would say you'd be hard-pressed to say it was anything but a major success. uh, Two top seven picks. Isaiah Todd, someone who I really didn't have in my preseason top 60, worked his way into being a uh, top 35 player. Um, There were some disappointments. Uh, Kai Soto barely played uh, because of something he did with the Olympic um, Philippines team. Uh, Daisha Nix sort of, I think, fell below his expectations, but for the most part, I would say you could comfortably call last season's G League Ignite uh, a roaring success, um, but there are going to be some changes this year, and it's not just roster-based. Uh, the maybe the biggest change is that last year the G League the G League Ignite competed in the G League Bubble, played eight, you know, as normal as a normal G League schedule could be, and this year it's not going to be that. They're not going to be a actual sort of G League team. Uh, Dakota, I just want to ask you, just sort of. What do you think of that decision as a whole? Was this something you expected? Um, and, and do you think it hurts sort of the um, the overall knowledge we can gain from watching these players?
1: First off, I definitely hear that uh, squeaky toy in the background. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't expect um, the the G league ignite to be part of the uh, the fifty game deal schedule that. Um, the 28th standard, uh, G League teams are on. You know, that that was set in stone way back. You know, in April 2020, when John Green, you know, signed his uh, deal with the G League, thus making the G League night. Thus, all the details that ESPN announced uh, last year. But I like the I like the uh, new format that that the G League is um, going to be implementing this year with having you know four little hub settings that the uh that the 30 teams are going to be in including the ignite and uh, capitanas um so yeah i didn't expect the g league ignite to be part of the full 50 game schedule and i do like how they're going to be part of the I forgot with the showcase cup that it's going to be like a 14 game tournament. That's going to be at the start of the season and like a 10 game uh, schedule afterwards, which, you know, uh, make up 24 games, which is, you know, nine more, I guess, eight more than the, uh, than the Ignite played uh, last year.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a solid schedule. It's, this isn't like, overtime elite where there's still just sort of a lot of questions about kind of the talent level they're playing they're still playing g league talent it's just a little different and i do kind of like this because i think i think putting the the straight out of high school players in the grind of a 50 game season against professionals which just one i feel like you're asking for injuries um it just you know it takes a little bit to ramp up to that um and i just think I just think it would it would almost oversaturate the sample. Where at the end of the season, there might be, um, you know, there might be some tired legs, and that's hurting stats. And it would hurt it would hurt the players' draft stock because in the end, the Ignites' purpose is to get their players drafted high. Um, and you know, it worked out last year. I think there's some thought that it maybe could have worked out better if they had done it this way because someone like Jonathan Kaminga is maybe more built for. The way the Ignite schedule is built this year than how it was built last year. Um, but speaking of trying to to kind of get high level talents um, drafted highly, the G League. I would say this is a solid kind of step down in terms of like the quality of the top tier prospects with with the G League Ignite. Um, from Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga to you know kind of Jaden Hardy, Michael Foster, those type of guys. Uh, I just want to ask you in general, like. Dakota, do you agree with that statement that it's a sort of step down? Do you think it's kind of in line? And, and how do you feel about the way the the prospect the prospects on this roster kind of fit as a whole?
1: Um, in terms of the 2022 draft, I definitely think that's a step down compared to you know last year. Um, I think a lot of you know NBA draft folks have Jane Hardy as a possible uh, top five player, and uh, I. Um, I'm not, I was not that excited by what I saw in film from uh, Michael Foster and Marshawn uh, Bootchamp is somebody that I'm actually going to be, uh, taking a deeper dive into his video along with, uh, F- Fanny Bozain, but in terms of 2022, I definitely think it's a step down, but overall, um, this roster definitely has two potential future top five picks in both, uh, Jane Hardy and my guy, um, scoot henderson who is was just over the course of the summer he was probably the most exciting player that i watched when i was uh studying my uh studying my film of you know the ignite guys the um nba draft players and then later on the you know two ways exempt tens are going to be making up the G League roster so when it comes to the you know upcoming NBA draft class I definitely agree with you but when, when it comes to overall I definitely think that uh, it being headlined by uh Jane Hardy and uh, Scoot Henderson um makes up still makes up a very uh fun little roster
0: yeah um So I'll just say kind of on the outset that I'm, I'm quite a bit lower on Jaden Hardy than, than those who would have him as a top five pick. Um, There are avenues for him to get there, but uh, I, I, I don't quite see it. I will say that I'm really interested to hear your take on MarJon Bochamp. I am, I don't think I can express how big of a fan of Bochamp I am. Uh, we played against each other in high school and um, he's one of the few like NBA prospects from where like, like literally right where I'm from. So it's pretty exciting. And he is like a legit wing shop maker. I think, I think there's a chance that he is aside from scoop, the best kind of 2022 prospect on this roster. Um, I know that's probably sounds hot, but um, his length is, is his ball handling, his decision-making his shot making. It's all really impressive to me. Um, Stone, I kind of wanted to get your thought on kind of how the roster is built. The guys you're really look, looking forward to seeing. And, and do you think there is like, how, you know, do you think there is real upside for some of these guys to kind of get into that top five or, you know, for, for Fanbo, it'd be probably, success for him to get to the first round or like like do you see that upside for some of these players
2: yeah um it it'll be interesting uh, to see kind of how they um stagger like the rotation and things like that uh obviously we have to start with my guy Dyson Daniels I'm super high on him uh not entirely sure where he'll fit in on this roster with Scoot and Jaden Hardy there maybe he'll be the small ball three maybe he'll come off the bench um but yeah, I'm obviously a huge fan of him. I think he's a top ten guy in this class. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah that's, that's one guy go, that's go one ahead, guy I was looking
1: at uh, yeah I was looking at the uh the um team's roster on uh, Wikipedia because the G Log like website doesn't have an update roster and they don't have Dyson Daniels. And I am so upset <laughs> that I forgot about Dyson Daniels. I am a, I am a huge fan of him despite him not really having much of a jump shot. Like what he's able to do with the ball in his hands and his size and his vision and his mobility as a player. I watched him, you know, this summer in the U19 tournament and he just like, again, what he's able to do with the ball in his hands and his ability to quickly, quickly change direction on a dime is just, it's just incredible. And I'm so upset that I forgot about him. But, but, yeah, Dyson Daniels is a player that I am super high on, despite him having one clear, uh, clear uh, you know, area that he's going to have to continue to, you know, really grow, grow at.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, he's probably who I'm highest on out of this, this G League Ignite team, outside of Scoot, probably. Um, I haven't seen much Fanbo Zang, so I don't really feel comfortable giving any sort of definitive opinion yet. Um, Michael Foster's kind of a weird player. Um, We'll see sort of how they develop him. I'm really interested to see how they use him on this team. Um, I I think there's an avenue where they have like, you know, four first round picks on this team, which obviously means um, just continuing the success of G League Ignite and and what they've done for these prospects. Uh, I can also see an avenue where there's, uh, really, only two. Um, so it, it could go a couple of different ways, but um, nonetheless, it's a very. I, I think even though there may be less uh, high-end prospects as there was last year, there's I think more quantity of them. So I'm interested to see how they use all these young guys together at once.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's kind of a a solid transition into. Uh, you mentioned with Dyson, um, sort of you don't know how he's going to fit in. I think the guard rotation with this roster is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, the veterans, aside from Costa Kufas, I believe, are yet to kind of be signed around the G League Ignite. You know, last year, uh, Jarrett Jack and Amir Johnson were were huge to kind of get on that roster and really show some of these guys kind of Actually, what it takes. I um,
1: hate to interrupt you, but uh, there are two. There have been two vets. That have been announced outside of Costa. And that is uh, Dakota Matthias. Actually, three actually. Uh, Dakota Matthias, uh, Pooh Jetter. You know who kind of replaced Bobby Brown as that international um, veteran guard, and uh, Jesse Golvan, who was with the uh, team last year.
0: Yeah, you're right. I, I uh, the the big one there that stands out to me is is Matthias, who I kind of forgot about. I believe Matthias was on a two way. With the 76ers two yeah. years ago, or maybe that was at the beginning of last year. Just really like just a shooter, like really I believe you played at Purdue. Um, really, really shoots the ball. Um, so I, I like that fit there. But uh, and who jader is is gonna play some uh, he's a guard as well, um, I believe, and he's going to kind of figure into this rotation, but focusing mostly on the young guys, I would say your your general idea of a guard rotation is, is Scoot, Jaden Hardy and Dyson Daniels are kind of your three, like these guys are like really need the ball to kind of succeed at the highest levels. I think, you know, in the NBA, maybe Marjon is a guard, but I would say on this roster, he kind of fills more the, the, the wing kind of three role. Um, So with those three Dakota, do you have any sort of idea, any expectations for what that rotation might look like? How, how you think they can kind of be best utilized with each other?
1: Um, That's for what I think. Uh, Jane Hardy does best with the ball in his hand. So I feel like him and Scoots are, honestly, I feel like you can have a rotation where, where Scoots is a headliner and a rotation where Jane Hardy is a headliner and you kind of have, uh, maybe maybe Pooh Jenner working alongside uh, uh, Jane Hardy. It, it's it's definitely gonna be a, gonna be an interesting task for head coach uh Jason Hart to to you know re- really figure out because unlike um like how do you guys think that the uh guard rotation that the G League Ignite have this year compares to the one they had last year when it comes to next. And Green, because despite the fact that um, I, don't I don't think any of you guys agree that uh, Jane Hardy is at the level of Young Green, I definitely think that the you know the, the guard duo that they have right now is uh, leaps and bounds better, mostly because of uh, how big of a fan I am of uh, Scoot Henderson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I echo your, your sentiment with Scoot just being um, – you know, like one of the best guard prospects in the world right now. Uh he basically does everything you want from elite guard other than shoot at like the most elite level, but I, I do think he can shoot. He's a really, really good athlete and his his passing really impresses me. Oh, yeah. Um I think that it, it's almost like if you took Daisha Nix and, and we were, were like now you can play fast. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I like that fit there last year. I believe Jared Jack started with Jalen green, right. And, and Dyson bench. So I, I, I want to see scoot start. I think um, just because I think he's that level of player. I worry that because he's two years away, there might be some politics that keeps him from starting. I I'm unsure, but I think that I would like to see him start next to Jaden Hardy, because I think Hardy really needs to learn to play off the ball. Um, Because his best weapon is his jump shot Uh, and as good of a pull up step back crazy shooter you are. If you don't generate rim pressure and you're not really a good passer, you're mostly going to play off the ball. I think he needs to play next to someone like scoot to force him off the ball. Um, and then I think Dyson can kind of fill in next to either of them because what Dyson does is, is aside from the, the lack of shooting, he's a very complimentary player. He is a good decision maker. He, he's going to get downhill. He'll attack second side actions really well. And then he's also like a really, really good defender. Um, I, that's, I really like Dyson defensively. Um, so I, I think I'd, I'd like to see Scoot start. And then it, pretty early, kind of, you know, maybe you take um, – you take scoot out and get hardy some on-ball reps and then you take them you know you take hardy out and put scoot and and dice daniels back in like i think you can you should mix around with it you have shooting uh, around them on the roster um so mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. sort of what i would i would hope for
1: and um again there are you know the you have the you know League Night prospects and you only have um, four players that have yet uh that have four vets that have a. Uh, Announced, and one interesting name is that i feel like everybody should keep an eye on is jesse govan because uh last year and i guess in his senior season when he was at uh georgetown proved himself to be a pretty solid uh pick and pop threat that you can also uh, rely on to you know work inside and grab off of the rebounds um you know obviously i feel like uh costa Cupa is going to get uh most of the minutes you know in that mere johnson role but uh Govan is, you know, an interesting potential diamond in the rough type of player and so somebody that can really work with, uh, with, with a guy like Skewt in that uh, pick and pop role.
0: What I like about if you were to play Goban at the at the uh, at the five next to someone like a Michael Foster is is you know Foster has a lot of flaws um, and, and we could maybe talk talk about him a little bit later but he he can't really shoot like he is a a real shooter at his size so you go on out there and, and you have a lot of space for um for for a scoot to work and I also think that's going to be really important for Hardy because I think you have to do everything you can to encourage him to generate room pressure because he is the level of athlete necessary to generate rim pressure. He just doesn't do it. He really shies away from getting downhill on the half court. Um, He is a good athlete. And I, I think you have to find a way to get him. If he's going to play on ball, give him space and say, nothing happens offensively if you don't go downhill. So you need to run this pick and roll with the idea of putting your shoulder down and getting to the rim. So I, I like the spacing they can kind of build there. And I hope, the other guys they bring in are are similarly kind of smart decision makers and, and good spacers like the other guys they've brought in on the roster um stone do you have any thoughts on on how you hope the guard rotation goes
2: i just hope dyson starts <laughs> that's really what i want uh you know i'd love to get like a, a scoot hardy dyson uh beauchamp maybe foster small ball lineup that would be awesome but uh yeah, I mean, my hopes aren't uh, super high, but, um, you know, I, I think either way, Dyson's going to get his fair share of reps uh, on that team. Um, but I think pretty clearly, Scoot and Hardy are, are starting, um, in my opinion. And then uh, from there, it's more of a question of whether they play, you know, a small ball three-guard lineup or, or not. Um but yeah, that that seems pretty clear cut as far as those two go, uh in, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um I want to move on a little bit to the front court. Um I've mentioned already I'm a huge Beauchamp Champ fan. I think he is a real shot to be a lottery type player, um, if he's used right with this roster. I'm also a huge fan of Fambo Zhang as a bit of a kind of you know late first type guy real real athlete at 6'9 i think i just saw schmitz listed 6'11 i haven't seen that that. if if he is that big that says something because he looks long too he's a real athlete off one or two feet um really likes to get downhill jumper is is developing it's something he didn't go to a lot in high school because frankly he didn't have to he could just simply dunk on you um and he plays with an intensity that I really, really like on both ends. Um, Dakota, do you have any thoughts on, on Fanbo kind of, I, I know you mentioned he's sort of on your list to get to, but I find him really interesting. And he's someone who I really hope isn't sort of lost in the shuffle with this roster, because I think he can really shine the way the G League plays sort of up and down. Yeah. Um, because I haven't
1: watched much Fanbo film because I- not a lot of it is available. Like it's been, I guess, now two years since he has played in the United States. He was in, you know, China last year uh, because of, you know, the COVID uh, nineteen, you know, pandemic. So it's been two years since, you know, people have seen him play. And, you know, even when he was at, you know, Windermere, there isn't a lot of, at least on YouTube, there isn't a lot of uh, radio available. But just in like the I know you know he can't take much off of you know you know YouTube highlights, uh, mixtapes and stuff like that. But uh, what he's able to do, you know, with the ball in his hands and his size, and he, you know, I agree with you. Um, the his aggression, uh, too with the ball in his hands is is impressive. And you know, watching him, you know, the ball over the course of you know the twenty uh, twenty six um, uh, you know, game season is going to be something you know that's interesting, and I definitely think you know uh, that he is a significant, significant uh, leap forward when it comes to you know young, you know, big prospects, and you know what Kai Soto was, you know, going into the going into the D League next season, and fortunately we didn't have a chance to see him, you know, play with the actual ignite in the D League bubble. At Disney World because of you know a lot of uh, mess that will take me a long time to get into.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I think I, I know Stone hasn't watched much Fanbo. yet. I think he's gonna Fanbo is the type of guy I think Stone's really gonna enjoy um, because uh, <laughs> there there is a world where I can I can plausibly say he plays a lot like Jeremiah Robinson Earl so you know that that's there it's different it's very different but in in terms of like like if you squint really hard they're like 6'11 bigs who who pass pretty well and you know aren't necessarily wings but aren't quite centers either and so it's just a sucker for those guys he loves anton watson too so you know it's 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 a blessing and a curse but i i think that's kind of A good point to move on to someone who I I feel like we've all seen probably a bit more of than we've seen Fanbo, and that's Michael Foster. Um, I think he's going to end up being a really polarizing prospect this year. He reminds me a lot of what Isaiah Todd was entering entering the G League Ignite, where Todd was this highly ranked, like he was highly ranked when he was a freshman and he just slowly fell down the RSCI boards. Um, really good athlete, uh, some shooting chops, but lots of questions about the decision-making, the feel for the game, that type of thing. The the lack of development Aww. curve is a big question for, for Isaiah Todd, and it's also a question for Foster. So, Dakota, I, how, I don't know exactly how much you've seen of Foster, but he really – I just think he's going to be really polarizing, so I kind of just want to get your general thoughts on him as a prospect entering this season.
1: Well – I say Todd was a polarizing and frustrating prospect going into last season. I feel like we can all agree that that experience in the bubble turned out to be pretty good for him. Like he was one pick away from being a, you know, first round pick. You know, he was number thirty one by Washington. And if you would have told me that first before, before you know started the G League season, I would have not believed you. So, like when it comes to Foster, I definitely agree with you. Like the one thing that stood out to me when I watched his film was that his decision making and is I guess, over-aggressiveness with the shot and just just forcing things that wasn't there was just continued to have been frustrating, which I guess is why that I'm excited to see him in the Duke uh, bubble, because he's actually going to be playing against, playing with a lot of talent, a lot of guys he you know can, you know, either work with the ball, ball in their hands or, you know, work off ball. And I feel like uh, Michael Foster has showed some uh, mac as a passer so while I was frustrated with what I saw of him in uh in the high school film that i watched i am excited to see him um you know with the ignite in a you know i guess a lesser role when it comes to him probably working lots off ball and him being a you know catch and shoot guy or a, you know a cutter or you know working working uh, utilizing screens which you know he didn't do a lot of in high school so while I was frustrated uh with what I saw of him in high school um in my eye see a jury's still out and I just want to see what he you know does with a with a lot of you know solid scoring talent around him
0: yeah for sure I think it's another thing sort of ties Foster and Todd together they're they're both sort of these test cases with um you know not very few people play the role in the NBA like in high school they play the role they're going to play in the NBA but you know you would say Todd and, and and Foster are sort of the extremes of that where they are very much not playing the role they're going to play in the NBA they don't have quite the ball skills to have the ball as much as they do in in high school um so what happened with Todd was he went to the G League and we kind of saw that those skills came together to build, like an it like someone who looked like he could be a really interesting off ball player with his you know like Todd's athleticism, his movement, shooting um, that sort of tied together to be like you see his NBA role and it, it it'll be interesting to see if if Foster can do that. I don't think he's the shooter Todd is, and I don't think he's really the athlete Todd is, but he is probably a better ball handler. A, he has more feel as a passer. I'll be interested to see what he can do scaled down with the ball out of his hands, uh, because I think it really, really worked for Todd. Um, I would say Todd is probably the, you know, obviously Jalen green went second, huge success story, but I would say Todd is, is maybe the biggest success story from the Julie ignite in terms of how much he changed his stock. Um, yeah. So do you have any, any Michael Foster takes?
2: Um. I feel like this is going to be a good role for Foster in terms of being more of a complimentary player than uh, sort of the on-ball guy that he likes to be a lot of the time. Um, So I think it'll be good for us to see sort of what he can do in a role where he's a little bit more confined. Um, That said, I, I don't know. I'm still like sort of trying to figure out what Foster's role in the NBA is like. I think that's probably like the biggest question mark for me um, in regards to him, but I'm interested to sort of see how he plays alongside those guards. Uh, Cause obviously they're going to get the majority of the usage. So um, I think it'll end up being good for him. And there is an Avenue where he could become like sort of that uh fir- fringe first round guy, like Isaiah Todd. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I think, yeah, I think that's that's perfect on, on Michael Foster. I think, um, you know, I, I would have had the same question with Todd last year. Like, I don't know what his NBA role is. Plays in the G League, shows it. I hope the same for Foster. Um, I think we're probably good to sort of move on to um, – Actually, um, oh, go ahead.
1: I'm looking at the outline, and I have one other topic that I kind of want to discuss with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And that is um, the expectations for the future of the Ignite program. Uh, because while I think that the you know quality of talent on this roster is solid, uh, the ignite did miss out on both um Amani Bates and uh, Duran, who you know both uh, went to um Memphis. Uh, what do you guys think currently of the after after you know those two misses from the ignite of their ability to? recruits, uh, quality players, and I guess the future of, of it from, you know, that perspective.
0: You know, I think the trend we've seen with, um, with, with high school recruiting is just the further diversification of options for high school prospects. I mean, it used to be, we'd say the same thing about a Duke or Kentucky. Like, you know, Duke offered this top player, and they didn't get him like, uh, you know, as Coach K lost it. Uh, We thought that a little bit with like Kate Cunningham and and stuff like that. Um, I think there's going to be up and down years. Uh, I think the the NIL sort of being newly signed um, went a long way towards why, especially Amani made the decision he did. I just think there's probably more money in college basketball for him than there is in the G League. Um, But I'll, I'll also say that I still think there is a certain type of prospect that benefits the most from playing in the G league versus college Jalen green, I think was better suited to play in the G league than he would have been to play in college. It's just how his game is. It, it, The type of athlete he is. I think the G league was better for his stock than college would have been. Um, you know, he, he might tell me differently. Cause I think he thinks if he went to college, he might've been the number one overall pick. But um, I think that the G league was unequivocally better for his stock than college would have been. Um, and I think Players are, are just gonna have to learn that through uh, you know time and memorium. I suppose like as time goes on, they're gonna have to learn. This is the type of player who excels here, and here's the type of player who excels here. I, I'll, I'll also say you know I, I don't think losing like Amani especially for two years is some huge loss. I think there's a real chance he still goes to the G League um, next year. Um, and and Duran is just uh, Duran is the type of guy who I think really would have benefited from the G league ignite. And I think his stock might, might show that this year. And I I think that's something that can affect kind of future players of his archetype. So, so that's what I'll say is just the further diversification of, of options for prospects is going to hurt sort of year to year consistency, but I still think there's going to be years where the G league has absolute tip top talent. And there's going to be years where they're kind of scraping more guys 20 to 50, just depending on how, how, how the class is sort of shaping up
2: my one question I had for either one of you guys was um, where do you see ignite like moving forward in terms of um, how many prospects sort of go that route because I feel like it's proven to be good for those that have gone there uh, at least the majority so far one year in Um, but now there's there's more options for guys Um, now with you know, the NIL in college and then um, with overtime elite, there's more uh, strong options for, for prospects to go with. So do you think that actually may hurt how many guys end up going the G league path Um, uh, or do you think that the past success of guys will bring in more guys?
1: I feel, um, I feel like the, the big question mark for me to answer that question is overtime elite And just what it is and how it's going to work this season. Because like the details, like like the games are just going to start in a few weeks and we just learned the schedule and which doesn't make me feel (laughs) that great. And like, we really um, just don't know who's going to be coaching the individual teams. And I, I think so far the overtime elite program, has been a mess and maybe you know that will be fixed you know over the next few weeks as the games actually play. So I feel like that's gonna be a big factor you know moving moving forward. If the overtime elite program turns into a mess and just doesn't work, I think that the G League Ignite is gonna continue to be as appealing as a place that it is today where you can get you know, you know, two potential top five, top ten guys, which you have right now, and you know, Hardy, you know, for 2022, and Henderson for 2023, and alongside some, you know, guys they can realistically see in, you know, first round, or continue to, I guess, become more appealing, you know, over, you know, the next few years to certain prospects that, you know, would fit that fit best in that uh, atmosphere? Uh, I'll say
0: that I have some worries because, you know, looking at the 2022 class, there doesn't seem to be like a ton of high level guys interested. I think, I think overtime elite for me is less where the worry is. And it's more just the NIL because there are so many more eyes on college basketball than, than the G league right now. And I think, I think the G league has ways to compensate for that. I really hope, the NBA keeps investing in it and keeps sort of putting resources towards making it more viewable because I love the G league. It's one of my favorite types of basketball watch. Um, but you know, I, I, I think my worry is the NIL because college basketball is still huge. It's an institution in the United States. And a lot of these guys, these top rated recruits are, are like, especially the ones who aren't necessarily like obvious one and done guys. Um, I think there's more money in college basketball for them. I, I still think that's probably the main reason Imani chose to go where he went because I think there's a lot of money for him at Memphis playing under Penny Hardaway and he's going to get a lot of usage that I just don't think he would get. And the G league would have unequivocally, like no doubt in my mind prepared Amani more for the NBA, but I think, it's it's a complicated thing, but, but also I, but
1: also like the, G League, the just playing against like talent that has a higher risk of that that has a higher risk for a prospect playing against that level competition and playing against you know college competition and I feel like you're alluding to the fact that you don't think Amadi Bates is a one and done type of title of player like that that. That thought, that fact would be more, I guess, more um, crystallized, I guess. It's the first word that came to my mind when he's going against actual, you know, veteran, you know, 22, 23-year-old guys that, you know, just were, you know, all conference, all talent in college or, you know, some NBA events or some guys that are, you know, hoping to get back. Into the NBA than he you know would would currently at uh, at Memphis,
0: yeah, and I think that's a good point. It the G League I feel like is going to be less a path for. It, it's going to slowly turn into this. It's not. I don't think it's going to be an immediate thing. It's going to be less a path for sort of these these mid ranked guys who are maybe seen lower in NBA circles who um, are are can really capitalize up the college game. And it's going to be more a like, like someone like a Darius Baisley maybe is a good example of someone who, if the G League night was around, it would have been perfect for him. Like guys like that who are clearly maybe NBA ready athletes or have certain NBA skills that are there and they just need to get NBA level coaching and, and start to figure out what their role might be at the NBA level. And and I think that's going to be their niche, and it's just the Ignite is going to have to feel around trying to find that out. Um, and, and I guess I'll finish it off by saying I'll be honest, I don't, I'm not super, uh, worried about the overtime elite, like stealing a ton of the G League Thunder because it it really feels like a mess right now. It, it could come together, and I really hope it does, especially because uh, Stone and I both love our boy Jan Montero. But uh, me too. I I I really have some worry. I just heard that. Uh, Amen Thompson and I believe it's As- Aswar. I, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your first name. Um, the Thompson twins might be eligible for the 2022 draft, and that'll be, you know, that even adds an extra level of holy cow. Like, and these guys are playing teams that are going to be on like the grind circuit later this year. It's just, it's a really weird, it's a really weird setup with the overtime elite. Um, but who, who knows? Who knows? Because. I hope, I really hope it works out. That's, that's all I can say there. Um, Is there anything else you have to go on like kind of the future of the G League and and what you're expecting?
1: I think I have expressed um, all the thoughts I have. All
0: right, sweet. I think we're perfect to kind of move on then to um, some other kind of outside the Ignite topics that we're really excited for because um, I mentioned that I'm someone who really loves these sort of uh, kind of fringe NBA guys. I, I think I've made it clear in my big board last year that I that I like to just absorb as much basketball as possible Um, and I think everyone who like declares for a draft deserves at least a little bit of a look and there's a lot of guys who have sort of kind of found their way through the G League that I that I find really interesting Um, so we're going to start with kind of two-way guys who we think um, are really primed for to to out to outplay that two way, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I have some examples here, but honestly, probably just open up the floor, Dakota. I know you do a ton of work with this stuff. So, who are some guys on two ways right now that you really expect to outplay those contracts?
1: All right, let me uh, pull up the uh, the list of guys on uh, two way contracts. I don't. You may you guys may be surprised that I don't have all that info off the top of my head. Uh, first off, um, I just recently over the last few weeks watched film of him, but Sam Hauser is a guy that I'm really high on just based on his ability as a as a movement shooter and because of his frame and because of him, him also being pre competent on the demons, And I think he has the traits to become an NBA rotation player, which, you know, obviously, you know, extends farther than his current role as a two-way prospect. Um, Ja'Core McLaughlin is a guy that really stood out to me when I was in Vegas uh, watching, watching you know, Summer League. You know, for a, I guess, for a ball-dominated point guard, he does have good size. At 6'4", great shooter, also can really, really create um, both for himself and for others. Off the dribble. Also, uh, Jamari Pickett. Uh, George Young guy, um, if Mark Chandler is listening to this, he is having the biggest smile on the space because he's a big uh, Marco Pickett fan. But Pickett's ability on the defensive end is just his ability to move around the defense is fantastic. And uh, personally, if you know anything about me and if you have been following uh, my uh, tour count, you know that I'm a big uh, Jose Alvarado fan. Um, his work at Georgia Tech was, he was. Kane and scoots were my favorite players i watched uh this summer so i'm uh, excited to see what he's uh, going to be doing uh down in g league with the uh, birmingham uh, squadron
0: yeah uh I, I i love that list um i'm also really in on jamorco pickett uh and he's the guy who kind of earned his two-way contract over the summer he was brought in as sort of a, a a camp body i believe at first with the pistons and has sort of worked his way into a two-way um and i cover the pistons for the Detroit bad boys so i pay pretty close attention to that um there's a couple of drafted guys who are who are maybe too obvious i mean sharif cooper i think we all know is too good to be on a two-way contract I mean, I like he might actually average like 30 points at 12 assists in the Julie. He is He'd
2: be on a max too. <laughs> he
0: is he is very good. Uh, fell to 48, of course. Uh, it, it'll probably be a famous draft day story we look back on, and he talks about in his Hall of Fame speech. For all I know, um, but he is a really <laughs> he is a really impressive talent. Um, Kessler Edwards is someone who I love. I had him as a lottery guy. Thought he fell too far in the draft, and the Nets, being the smart organization they are, picked him. Um. But, I, you know, there's some other guys who really interest me. Um, the first one is, is former Charlotte Hornets draft pick, finally coming over uh, after being stashed for two years, I believe. That's Arnomas Kobaka. Um, Kubaka is a really talented shooter, uh, really smart passer and defender, short arm so, and, and not super athletic, so the defense is, is a huge question. But um, he makes a lot of good plays, and he shoots like he does at six, seven, six, eight. And there's always a spot in the league for that type of guy. And then one of my personal favorite players in last year's cycle, who um, I, I find really interesting, and I'm glad he kind of stuck somewhere, is DeJean Giroux um, from Houston. He's gonna he's on a two-way with the Indiana Pacers, so probably gonna have some time playing with the Fort Wayne man, Mad Ants. Um, I his his defensive screen navigation is a thing of beauty. Um, his footwork around screens is, is incredible, and it was maybe my favorite micro skill in all of last year's draft. Um, he has moments as, as a ball handler and passer. He's a solid shooter. He's um, really skinny, so that kind of maybe limits him to puts of upside. But uh, a person who plays a, a way I really enjoy. And then the last guy I'll mention, uh, I believe the other two-way with the Pelicans, it's Jose Alvarado and Dalton Homs. Um, mm-hmm. I really like Homs. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, yeah. He is like a like a 6-8 forward he I believe he played at a d2 school in yeah. college and Wayne Loma Wayne Lo- okay and uh, <laughs> has sort of uh kind of found his way through the G League um really good rot- rotational defender uh yeah. pretty solid shooter pretty solid passer um I I like a lot of what Holmes brings I think he's another great you know the the Pelicans have done you can Point out all the issues you want with their management of top end talent. But I really love how David Griffin fills out a roster. Um, guys like Najee Marshall and, and Herb Jones, who he just drafted. And Dalton Homs is another in that line of like wings who do good stuff on both ends. Um, yeah. Kind of belong in the league, in my opinion. I think Homs is the type of guy who, who I think can maybe find his way to the league this year. Uh, Stone, I don't know if you have any kind of two way standouts that, that you want to talk about, but take the floor, my friend.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I think everybody is like super excited to watch Sharif Cooper in the G League, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that experience. Um, Kessler Edwards, too, obviously, um, upside swing favorite, so uh, he, he should get plenty of run in the G League and, and be a lot of fun. I feel obligated to say Joel Ayali as a Lakers fan um yes yes i do think yeah i i do think he will be fun in the g league i don't know i'm still skeptical about his nba output and and what that may look like uh but in the g league i feel like that's sort of a um context where he could thrive potentially so um i'm really interested to see how he, he fares in in the g league uh but yeah, outside of that, I mean um how <laughs> yes. What about Seku? There's a reason I only said Joel But uh um one name that I want
1: to want to mention, he is um, on the bucks, and I feel like he's somebody that can really bring the house down in in the G League is uh, Sandro.
2: Yes, uh two-way yes. player
1: with the Bucks. Man, he's gonna be fun to watch. Just, oh, yes. just the size of what he can do as a passer and as a shooter with the ball in his hands. Is, is great and another guy I feel like can really um, outgrow the two way label is Jericho Sims. His his uh is coordination on the perimeter at um, on defense at his size is something that all NBA teams want and all NBA teams are looking for. And I feel like that's you know you know, you talked about micro skills with uh, Giroux. Uh, Jericho Sims is really, just really great at that, and just him being an energy player, too, that can just really do damage on the offensive glass is less going to be somebody I'm really excited to watch uh, uh, play in the D uh, League this year.
2: Yeah, and uh, Sandra Mamaku is really noted TikTok superstar, so um, I'm Obviously and for him. If you haven't already, check out our upside swings TikTok. Shameless plug, but uh, yeah, he's um, he's a six ten point guard who can shoot. Um, we won't speak on the defense because there's nothing to speak about. But um, it, it, he's so much fun to watch. He's like even if he doesn't pin out in the NBA, if he's like a, a if he goes to Europe, I will watch him for life. He's he's just so much fun to watch.
0: Mamu had maybe. The slowest poster I've ever seen. In that, <laughs> did you see that in the Julie or in the preseason game? Like, he loaded up off two feet and dunked with his left hand. And I swear, like, like he it was like a four second long
2: dump. He was in. <laughs> it was the slowest poster I've ever seen in my life. Um, that I there could be some Kai Jones and J T Thor G League time too, like significant time, uh, this year. So obviously, I'll be watching a lot of um. A lot of the swarm uh for that. Uh, because, honestly,
1: I feel like uh, if you have seen me uh score the uh, preseason year tonight,
2: uh, <laughs> that's because year that's because tonight. Thor Kai didn't play every single minute, or otherwise it would be flipped. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah. Uh just just really sent the,
1: the entire team
2: now. <laughs> yeah, and another guy who's probably not gonna get um I don't know if he'll get a lot of playing time this year, but uh, Isaiah Livers is somebody I'm interested to watch. I, I don't know if he'll get a lot of G League time or not, but um, I, if he does, I think that he can uh show that he's he's capable of, of being like a rotational player in the NBA. Um, I, I'm really excited to watch him this year if he gets any playing time. The
0: Pistons might actually need him. Uh, I believe he's on a full contract. Um, because maybe this is just me, but I don't think Trey Lyles is that good, and I think. Hmm liver should get his minutes <laughs> we'll not, see how it goes yeah. uh okay I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page um yeah i think i think that's probably good for two-way guys i mean if, if we wanted to we could run down every single two-way guy in the league and be here all night but uh it's probably not the best <laughs> use of, of time the last guy I'll, I'll quickly mention he's actually technically not on a two-way yet but if i were to guess he's probably the favorite to get the jazz's final two-way is malik Fitz. i, I oh, yeah. i'm really really high on malik Fitz. i think He's a six eight wing who shoots. He can he can really get downhill, uh, passes okay. Tries on defense. Like, what about that? Doesn't scream NBA player. Uh, you know, I I know I know it's my weakness because he's 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 a thick boy who's who's also a wing who who does cool things. Like it's, I it's everything.
2: Raycon Gray. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Raycon Gray probably not a wing. Also like like I'm I'm still pissed at what the Nets did on draft night to draft two guys and not give them any real contract is frustrating um long island might be very fun because uh, any team where mark sigarowski is playing is a team i want to watch um but with that kind of said we can transition we don't have to spend too long on this but you know there's obviously some guys who went undrafted in this past draft and you know maybe they got to play at summer league or, or maybe even they didn't but we still kind of have some expectations for them who are some of the top udfa guys that you that you kind of expect to sign in the G league who you really think could break out down there, Dakota, I'll throw that to you first.
1: Okay. So there are, can I mention guys that have signed exhibit tens?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's kind of a lot of the guys have probably signed exhibit tens that we would mention.
1: All right. So um, LJ Figueroa from Oregon is, he just literally signed um, a, a train camp deal with uh, Golden State and he's, you know, likely going to Santa Cruz, but just just a versatile player with size. He's really somebody that really stood out to me when I was watching the Oregon tape. Uh, John Petty, a senior from Alabama, uh, 6'5", 6'5", Wayne, that can really, really shoot also, you know, has uh, can really uh, defend on the perimeter, uh, facilitate a little bit. Um, i i watched i watched <laughs> i watched a lot so just 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 try to think guys i actually i want you guys uh to to say some names and uh if i remember uh watching a film of them uh we can we can have a little discussion
0: yeah absolutely so so i'll go first uh, i'll let i'll let stone talk about the second guy i have listed because i know that's his guy but the first one to me that that he kind of stood out during summer league really, really interests me is E.B. Watson. Um, I kind of caught on to him really late in the cycle last year. He's one of those guys I did a late deep dive on. I uh, really liked his film at Dayton. He's a really solid athlete at 6'5", really solid shooter, and a, a real like hustle guy on defense. Um, he's a little undersized for like a three, but I think that's probably his best uh, role in the NBA would be as a, as a wing. Um, I like E.B. Watson a lot. I think he is someone who – um, he was almost never really on the draft radar, but I think he has a real shot to, to finding a spot in the league because uh, he's just, he's a wing who's a solid athlete and shoots and he makes good decisions. I think there's always uh, room for that type of guy. Um, the next one is Romeo Weems. Um, I'm still kind of unsure what contract he's on. I don't think the Grizzlies have technically signed their second two way. I believe they have Eve Pons. Um Know Romeo Weems might get that, but
2: that we forgot to mention Eve Ponds, But I feel like he's somebody who in this season could be converted to a full time contract.
0: Yeah, he is. Um, he is he's very he's he's ripped. Um, but Romeo Weems, uh, is is like just I mean, another wing who does cool things. He doesn't really shoot right now, but he can really dribble, really pass, really tries defensively. I, I think. A big improvement point for him is going to be can he improve as sort of a a backside rim protector um because that's sort of something he hasn't really done a ton yet he is a good rotational defender but if he can do that then I think there's really a spot for him and the last guy I really like is is Jordan Shackle um Shackle San Diego State and he really shoots um I would mention Matt Mitchell here too but I believe he's gonna play overseas so you know that was one of my top undrafted free agents but I don't think he's playing in the G League this year um you know and and like a Derek Alston I think could really could really shine in the G League too so there's quite a few guys uh Stone is there anyone that kind of stands out to you
2: uh I mean I do like cool things memes but um I'm gonna go with EJ Onu uh obviously if you thought it was gonna be anybody else you're just fooling yourself but um no, I, I, EJ Onu, this is, I think G League is like the perfect context for Onu um, where uh, he can be just an absolutely insane rim protector. Uh, well, hopefully the shooting translates and carries over. Um, and well, it may not be on like high volume or anything. The, if he's able to hit it just at a, um, <clears throat> you know, above like 36, 37% clip on a decent amount of attempts, there's a good chance, I think he can be converted to a full-time contract. Um, but yeah, I, I think like defensively, this is the perfect context for EJ Onu to shine. Um, we saw how he just absolutely dominated at a lower level at Shawnee State. Uh, and, and I think there's no reason to think that it, it, it'll be any different in the G League.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely with you on EJ Ono. He... Um... Obviously, he was great in Washana State and I, IA, but he w- wasn't that great at the G League the League camp or in some league. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops over the course of a full 50 game June uh, season. But one thing that I forgot about is and somebody just based on a singular skill that could end up making a leap uh, to the NBA this season. Um, after you know signing an X-7-10 contract, and that is uh, Mitch Bollock from Creighton. Uh, Bollock is just his his shooting stroke is just insane. It's just so quick. It's just so smooth, and he can do it you know off movement, it, off the catch, off the dribble. Just just uh, you know a tremendous tremendous shooter that can also you know work do some do some magic as a secondary
0: facilitator. Yeah. So I'm looking through my board from last year now and, and man, there are a ton of names I could run through. Um, another guy who I think similar to Mitch Ballack kind of with that one skill, um, is DJ Stewart, who's also a really good shooter lefty. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, he's a better defender than Ballack pretty considerably. Um, and I think there's, there's a shot for him. Um, I really like Jalen Tate from Arkansas uh, just really, really funky six five kind of wing guard plays a lot like kind of like how Mason Jones played, but less controlled and a lot more uh, erratic. Um, and and then the last guy I'll mention, an, another wing is chandy Brown. Um, I really like Chondi. Um, he played at Michigan. He is a, probably
2: I probably like him more than Ie on the Lakers or or Seku. To be honest, I really was hoping that they would give Chondi the second two A. I.
0: As someone who's fairly low on AI, I think there's a world where, where Chandi is the better NBA player. Um, Chondi is just a really, really good defender and looks like he can be a fine shooter. And he's also like, if he can't get a shot up to a good level, he is a really good closeout attacker. Um, so are, are there any other kind of UDFA guys we want to mention? All right, sweet. Let's move on to, uh, and, and we'll go through this one fairly quickly, but just I have as someone who's kind of spent time with the G league and, and, and likes watching for certain players. Um, I have kind of a list of, of guys who, uh, who I think, you know, they, they haven't got really in NBA rostered yet. I think maybe one of these guys or two, of these guys have been on two ways. Um, but they're G leaguers. They're kind of these full-time G leaguers who I think like really, really deserve kind of a look in the NBA. Um, so I'll, I'll start first with just, just two. Um, and, and those two are very similar in archetype. That's DJ Hogg and Robert Franks. Um, both these guys are six, seven, six, eight shooters who, um, are more forwards in, in sort of, uh in size and, and mobility but really really excellent shooters um Robert Franks of course went to Washington State so a uh, big fan of his I really hope he kind of finds a spot in the league um I thought he would have been a great fit with the Magic had they decided to keep him but they didn't um I, I and then Hogg has bounced around I believe he's kind of most known for playing with the Wisconsin Herd um I think he got a 2 way with the Bucks at some point uh really solid shooter uh just the does a lot of little things I like, and again, uh, kind of falls in that six five to six nine range. So odds are I'm going to like him. Uh, Dakota, are there any guys that sort of stand out to you that, that you think kind of fill this mold?
1: Um, there are definitely there are a few guys that are returning to the G League. Um, uh, one guy that is returning to the G League that uh, has been in the G League for a few years, and it's going to be probably going to be back this year with Wisconsin is uh, Jamario Jones. Um, he is that player that just—he's I think he's 6'6", five, five, but he just dominates on the defensive glass, and he's also really capable of pushing the pushing the ball down the court in transition and making right play. Uh, you know, uh, great cutter, just downright tenacious defender, but he can't shoot, and that's one thing that has helped, unfortunately, held him back in the NBA. But I still feel like he's an NBA quality player. Um, some other guys um, i just got done watching the film of uh, Malcolm hill a uh, former uh, guy from uh i think from illinois uh he played uh he's played you know overseas since but now he's going to be uh, heading to gelik this season you know really solid shooter that always seems to be in the right place at the right time to make the right play and also you know pretty good uh, perimeter defender on the uh, defense and uh, Cameron Oliver um uh former uh Nevada standout with uh with with the Delaware blue coats two years ago and I feel like he was on the cusp of making the leap to the NBA until he got dealt with a season ending injury and you know since then he went overseas last year he was in Australia and um if you know anything about um, Cameron Oliver, you know that he's a leaper. He's somebody uh, that can really do damage above the rim. But I really, um, in the Australian film that I watched, you know, obviously, I you know saw his ability, um, you know, as a cutter and you know using his athleticism as a cutter in dunker spot or you know as a role man. But also like his ability, like the triple threat, you know, pinch post area, his ability to pass job of the ball in his hands, and, you know, he's not the best perimeter shooter of, like, a 18-foot 18, 18 foot jumper. Uh, he's also very solid when it comes to uh, working in drop coverage on um, the defense end. I wouldn't really rely on him to do much on the perimeter defensively, but in the drop, um, I think he's uh, pretty good, but also with uh, using his size and using a, his athleticism to defend the rim. And he's uh, going to be with the uh, Lakers, so he's going to be playing with Shondi. He's going to be playing with uh, Stephen Duboya. He's going to be playing with uh, Joel. IAA, uh this e- this year in uh, South Bay.
0: That team is going to have a lot of cool dunks with, with those guys. And you know, I'm not the biggest Mac McClung fan, but but he has cool dunks. So um. Um,
2: the other guy I would bring up is Xavier Sneed. Um, for me, I, I, Sneed I liked a lot in college as like a two-way guy possibly. Uh, But unfortunately, like a lot of the concerns I had with Snead back then haven't really improved much uh, as far as the shooting mostly. Like he's still just an awful shooter. Um, But he's a really good defender, uh, a beast in transition, super strong. Um, I feel like there's so much there, but it just can't be really unlocked unless the shooting ever comes around. And it seems like so far that's been sort of a disappointment. So hopefully uh, he can turn it around this season. So he's definitely somebody I'll be watching.
0: Yeah. Uh, Xavier Sneed is is one of the foremost examples of an if he shoots guy. Like if he shoots, he is an NBA player, in my opinion. Like the defensive playmaking is really interesting. The slashing is really good. But if he, if he doesn't shoot, like there's just not a spot for him on an NBA floor. Um, the last two guys I'll mention really quickly, uh, Shaq Buchanan uh, was teammates with with john morant at murray state i believe and has mm-hmm. played with the the memphis hustle um just a really really good athlete six three uh kind of a spark plug score type um really like to get his own shot plays good defense though for that for that archetype um and the last one i'll mention is james paul jr um who played for the agua caliente clippers and is just like like a really funky finisher um, and I kind of have a soft spot for guys who are just like weird. He's, I think he led the G or was like top five in the G League in scoring um, the last like full season of G League play, and, and just a really interesting kind of slashing finisher. Um, yeah. So, uh, are there any other guys you want to mention, Dakota?
1: Um, sure. Um, Armani Brooks, who um is I think he's going to return to the G League as an extended ten player. Just, just a downright excellent three-point shooter. He actually set some uh, individual records, NBA records, towards the end of the season when he was uh, with the uh, Houston uh, Houston Rockets. Or My Brooks, this is gonna be his uh, third season. Also, I'm with you on Shaq Cannon, another you know third-year guy. And uh, while he hasn't uh, yet signed contract, um, Ahmad Kaber, is somebody that really, you know, took uh, took a leap forward last year from an offensive perspective when it comes to, you know, knocking down a three point shooter. It, it was weird, like he wasn't a great uh, free throw shooter. He shot 63%, but he shot 43% uh, from downtown and his ability, also his ability as a facilitator. But, you know, those abilities that we saw of him uh, last year in the Julie bubble, combines with him just being an absolutely tenacious uh, defender. Um, and all those uh skills are all those traits are of why I think that he, if he does return to the G League, which I think is a strong possibility, he hasn't signed like a international deal deal yet, and he was with the Grizzlies. Uh, summer league and he's been around the Grizzlies uh, roster since coming out of uh, Old Dominion uh, in 2019. If he does make the uh, return to the g I feel like he uh, could be somebody that could be in line to make that leap.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, final guy I'll mention. big. I'm a big Kyle Guy fan, I still believe. Um, I don't know why. Uh, just because. Just because when I played in high school, I played just like how Kyle Guy played in college. And I was like, I can be that guy. We're like the same height. He's he's a you know maybe 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 a slightly better uh, athlete than me. I'll I'll, I'll say that uh, he has cool dunks. I don't have cool dunks. I have baby rim grazers. But um yeah no that's uh I, you know he's a really good shooter. Uh but no in all seriousness. Guy, I mean. Oh <laughs> boo, boo that was weak. We uh. cannot end the pod on that. Uh as as an informational pod. Yeah, cut that in the editing. Put that I, know, I hope my dog didn't <laughs> just like break something. Uh she is like bouncing out the walls. Uh but anyways um with uh uh sorry we are an informational pod and with that i think the best way to end this is with with a little bit of a knowledge drop from dakota uh something that i didn't know until like pretty recently because it's it's just sort of a different system it's not like the draft we're gonna talk about the chili draft um I was first exposed to it. I believe Willie Reed was the number one overall pick by the Salt Lake City Stars in 2017. Yeah. Something like that. Like, and that's when I was first trying to pay attention to the G League. Willie Reed, because the Jazz are my team. Willie Reed was the first overall pick by their G League affiliate.
1: Yeah. Hi, hi doggy.
0: And then yeah, no, she is, she's very excited.
1: Is that doggy uh, treat?
0: No, she's got some Cheez Its. So, you know, hopefully we're playing. Give
1: give her a regular dog treat, man. We're playing.
0: We're playing Fetch. Uh, uh, And, uh, you know, Willie Reed was my guy. I thought he was going to make it to the NBA off that. Um, But, you know, there's still sort of some confusion around how the G League draft works. So, Dakota, if you could just drop a quick knowledge bomb, how does the G League draft work? And uh, just for fun, who do you expect to go number one overall in this year's G League draft?
1: Uh, First off, I um, even even when the rosters are announced, I really can't tell you. Like the, I mean the uh, the draft pool announced like forty eight hours before the actual NBA draft. The G League draft is it's hard to predict. Um, I don't know who's going to be the G League draft as of right now. Um, I think the only the only. Name that is going to be in the G League draft pool that has been announced is angel Ball that Shams announced, but Angel was actually in the G League draft pool uh, last year before the uh, the bubble season, and he was a pick. So I'm not sure about that. But so basically, the how the G League draft works is that players have to sign contracts with the G League to enter. The G League, uh, you know, you know, pool, and you know, sometimes it's you know guys that you know have been waived uh, from teams. Actually, especially guys have been waived by teams that don't have G, G League affiliates. So, you know, here it would be you know Portland and Phoenix. Sometimes you know you have NBA veterans. Uh, last year, uh, Michael Beasley was uh, part of the G League draft pool, even though he was unfortunately not picked, which I, I, I just would have been really enjoyed to see Michael Beasley go against, like, Jonathan Kamenga, <laughs> uh in the uh, Duke bubble last year. But unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen. So after the uh, players sign uh, contracts with the actual G League itself, the enter the draft pool, then uh, the craziness um, um, happens. I think it's every team has to draft at least three players in uh, that job But the, the crazy thing is that a lot the best, a lot of the players that get drafted in the G League draft, especially when we get later on in the draft, don't end up Getting added to the team because, you know, with uh, two ways and with exhibit tens, you know, you have two two ways and you have um, four exhibit tens and you also have returning players. Makes sense. So, you know, some teams, they basically have the roster filled out bef- and known before the G League job happens because, you know, you factor in two two ways, you have, you know, four exhibit tens, that's six players. You add, you know, two, three return players. That's nine players, right? Nine players before the, you know, G League draft happens. And, you know, you also have to factor in, you know, assignees that may come and uh, the G League draft. So all that has kind of decreased the importance of the G League draft. But but still, craziness can happen uh, in the uh, G League draft really, you know, solid players can uh, pop up uh, from that draft. At least there are more than a handful of players in that draft. They really, they really start to uh, shine on at the, uh, you know, at the G League level. Um, you know, in the last, I guess the uh, last real uh, G League draft that happened in uh, 2019 where, you know, all the teams, or involved. Uh, Sheldon Mack, um, who, you know, had a cup of coffee with, uh, with Washington uh, a few years before he was in the 2019 Geo Jazz. He was really solid with Canton, Tyler Hall, uh, for former Montana State guy. was really, you know, passive with uh, Westchester, Anthony Lawrence. Second was impressed with, with Miami. I think Jerry Jones was a Geo Jazz guy. So you can have solid players that come out of the G League draft, but its, it's importance has really decreased a lot because of exhibit 10s and because of two ways and, you know, also adding in uh, returning players, all that, you know, mixed together basically fills up a roster before the G League Draft um, actually happens.
0: Yeah, I think that was a perfect explanation and uh, just just about how wild it is. Um, you know, I like I said, my first experience of the G League draft was Willie Reed, um, and I just remember being very hyped for him. And then he, I think he tore his ACL like later in that season, and that was too bad. But uh, anyways, we're gonna wrap this up because my dog desperately needs to go outside. And this has been an unbelievable blast, Dakota. We can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, hopefully, honestly, we'll have you on again to talk about the G League night once their season kind of gets going, and we get a real look at these prospects because it is it's going to be really fun uh there there are quite a few of these guys i'm very very excited to see but uh dakota just thank you so much for coming on tell the people where they can find all your great work and uh, all the great stuff you do
1: um my twitter is at dakota underscore smid d-a-k-o-t-a underscore s-h-m-i-b-t um r-i-d-i-c outside on twitter for uh the site i write for also, um, I haven't wrote anything in uh, two months for the biggest but that's about to change because of the huge project that I've been honestly working on all off season. Um, I uh, said this on uh, the Box One podcast with Adam Spinella, and his eyes just just went went big. So I'm I'm bringing up the uh, the, the Zoom call. And I want to see the faces of both Stone and Bryce when I say that my project is to give my analysis on every single player on every single G League team.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good, good luck. Good luck,
0: good luck, my friend. I thought I was crazy for having like 220 players on my draft board. That is
2: uh... – <laughs> I was about to say, that makes Bryce look pretty weak, honestly. Yeah, man. You have um, to lose you out to 300.
0: Yeah. You have yeah, to lose yeah, out to 300. I got to step up. I got to step up my game, I guess. Uh, that, that is, yeah, that is crazy. If you, if you need, sure. if you need any help, feel free to hit me <laughs> up because uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know why, but I have a somewhat encyclopedic knowledge of players who are just quite not good enough to make it to the <laughs> NBA, but who I watched in college. So, you know, uh, but that is, that is awesome. I cannot wait to read that. Is that going to release all as one or are you can do it like team by team?
1: Um, I think I'm going to mix it. Maybe you will I could go team by team. I'm thinking like either go like the Eastern Conference or like the Western Conference for a team or like go like, I think because um, at the start, start of the season, season, it's going to be the showcase uh cup and it's going to be broken down into, you know, four different, four different regions. I might do it. uh, and I think I'm definitely going to do it in that way. So four individual uh, pieces and also. Uh, less reading per piece for uh, for the people at uh, home because if I did it, did you know two pieces? I might honestly, uh, geez, I might have like 40-50,000 words per piece, which I might as well, I might as well just release a book.
2: Yeah, hey, I, I, absolutely.
0: I yeah, no, let's. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will Amazon that shit.
2: <laughs>
0: um, this has been awesome. Please go follow Dakota um follow us on twitter at upside swings and uh, also newly minted on TikTok. cannot believe i get to say that with a straight face it's not quite straight it's like a little tilted but that's okay get
2: us, get us to 1000 by the end of the year so we could do lives that's that's
0: yeah. cool it is surreal because i've never had a TikTok before in my life and <laughs> like like those two videos each got like a thousand views coop is doing great stuff on there um shout out to to coop He is um, the newest member of the Upside Swings team, and he is perhaps the most ambitious. What a guy. Um, Follow us on there. Uh, Yeah, and uh, follow Report underscore court. I'm Matt BryceCentric14. Uh, This has been the Upside Swings Draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.